Welcome to the 103rd edition of the Guna Podcast, recorded on a Monday evening after the defeat at QPR and sponsored by GunaShirts.com. And for this edition, we've thrown out all of the regulars and invited some guests, all of whom have graced us with their presence before, and it's delightful to welcome them back. To begin with, we have the spokesman for the Arsenal Supporters Trust, as well as doing PR for the likes of the England cricket team. He's a prolific tweeter with an insight into club matters through various contacts that suggest what he has to say can be viewed as fairly reliable. So we look forward to some enlightenment this evening with a warm welcome to Tim Payton. Good evening. Next up, he had humble origins as a writer for the Gooner before moving on and spreading his always interesting views on websites such as Vital Arsenal and now Arseblog. But he remembers where he comes from and still contributes to the humble fanzine that is the reason for this podcast's existence. So, thanks for keeping us in mind and coming along tonight. Hello, Mr. Tim Stillman. My pleasure. Good evening. Now, if we had another Tim, we'd have to think about rebranding ourselves as a Celtic podcast. But there's no need for it. At last, but by no means least, the return of a bit of glamour to the panel. Another prolific tweeter, and representing our friends at Gunner Talk, we always look forward to reacquainting ourselves with our wonderful footwear. It's hello once again to the incomparable Ms. Lindsay Melrose. Hello, so, chaps and the lazy, I mean, since the last podcast, we've been an unbelievable side. We've kept clean sheets, we've got victories, you know, we've gone from fifth to third. And on Saturday, we lost 2 1 away at QPR. Mr. Stillman, season's over, isn't it? We're going to finish <laughs> Rubbish, manager out. Um, yeah, well, it's, it's, it's been a very uh, kind of, um, well, it's, it's been a mainly positive month. Um, I think, to be honest, we're all kidding ourselves if after seven straight victories we thought we were going to go on and win the last eight games as well. Um, there are always forks in the road at this period of the season. Um, there's always going to be good and bad results. Um, to an extent, I think I saw the QPR uh, result coming. Um, if we use it in the correct way, um, if we use it as a kind of shot of humility to the team, um, then it might not be the worst thing in the world. Um, Man City, of course, is a fixture that uh, we've got every reason to get up for. So um, I think there'll be a few more results like that for us, for Chelsea, for Spurs, for everyone um, as the season goes on and comes to its end. So I just say, um, kind of strap yourself in and be excited about it, really. <laughs> Ms. Melrose, Mel- Ms. Melrose, please excuse me. Um, was Saturday a huge disaster for you, or does it make you think back to games like when we beat Milan 3 0, just needing 4 0? Um, you know, made you think actually this season's come back. We're going to be absolutely fine. I think we are going to be fine. It, it was disappointing. It was disappointing in the respect that I, I think a few of us saw it happening. They seemed to play like up their game, do everything that we wanted them to do, do the basics right against the big teams. And I don't know. I don't know if they just thought it was a bit of a done deal to turn up at QPR on Saturday and get three points. It was disappointing in that respect that the performance wasn't there. But like Tim says. It wasn't going to be, we're going to go on this massive run now to the end of the season. And maybe that was the wake-up call that they get to say, this is what you have to put in every single week. Like Benga said, every game's a cup final now. No foot off the gas, please. Uh, Mr Payton, uh, I mean, were you really dismayed by, by Saturday? And, and if not, and ultimately you think it's just, it's just a blip, that kind of thing. I mean, ultimately, where do you think Arsenal are going to finish in the table and where will Spurs and Chelsea end up? Well, I think if you... You know, a few games ago, you'd have said defeat away at QPR would have been a would have been a disaster. 
you're not dismayed because they collected 21 points in the games before and although it's tight they are in third spot now so mm -hmm. you know clearly it's not a disaster in that sense but some of the underlying elements of it really show that when this roller coaster of a season is over there's a real job of work to be done it's not just QPR you can bring up Fulham Swansea Blackburn you know there is something about this team is it is it its mental attitude does it take games too easy but it, it's just not delivering enough particularly with its defensive duties mm -hmm. and we're told that the defence is improving but this season we are going to break one record which is to let in more goals than an Arsenal Wenger team has ever let in before mm. um, but in terms of the next seven games to go it's been a roller coaster season and I think bit like Tim alluded to, I think there's at least one more loop of the roller coaster to go and let's hope that, you know, we've got our seatbelts on and we hang on in there. It's a massive game on Sunday as well, isn't it? Because I think, you know, Arsenal's realistic hopes of coming third and getting the automatic Champions League place and City's realistic hopes of winning the league are going to go wrong for one of the teams on Sunday. Mm. I mean, I think you look at the, the City and Chelsea games literally just about three weeks apart it's got to be a minimum of four points from those I mean you don't want to be in a situation where you go into that you want to be in a position where you can play Chimac or Park up front you know because you're about 15 points clear but ultimately it's it's got to be at least a draw on Sunday against the Manchester City team who are falling down I mean Mr Stillman come the end of the season uh, just before, uh, just after we played West Brom I mean where do you think Arsenal are going to finish? Um, I do think we're going to finish third um which, which I think would be huge for us to get, uh, to get rid of that qualifier um, for a number of reasons with the Euros, with obviously we're going to be jet-setting a lot in pre-season. Um, the club won't admit it, but obviously uh, with regards to releasing funds, uh, they're obviously reluctant to release all of the funds until the qualifiers are out of the way. So to get there straight off um, is huge also. Um, there is there is another little potential fork in the road in that Chelsea is still in the Champions League um, and there's still every chance as, as horrible as it might seem <laughs> that they, they could go and win it um, so if they finish fifth and win it uh, with us having finished fourth mm. um, then we're going to have some big regrets um, I think so uh, getting that third spot really really is um, crucial it's it's dare I say it almost like a trophy at this stage. <laughs> it's it's the biggest one we've got to go for anyway Lindsay where do you think we're going to finish oh, I agree I think I think we are going to finish third um if we as gooners make it if our hearts our livers and our lungs will survive this run I do feel that it will be a massive achievement um and I think it will be something to build on and I think the club needs it we need to finish third yeah, I agree with you. I agree. So, so sort of moving on uh, from... Oh, I'll jump in here because I'm not so sure about third. Sure. I oh, think yeah. we're, I, but I think what we're going to have, I think we should already start getting ready. I think we're going to have lasagna day. I think every fan needs to start getting their lasagna recipes out to send to White Hart Lane because I think we will go into the certainly the penultimate game, if not the final game, neck and neck with Spurs. I hope we come third, but I think there'll be three points in it between... Mm. Um, Spurs and Arsenal and I'm kind of hoping that Chelsea's distractions and the fact that I think we will raise ourselves for the home game with Chelsea mm -hmm. more than I'm optimistic about the game with City on yeah. Sunday because of City's focus partly City need that so much whereas Chelsea will be in the, you know, in the middle of not just um, the Champions League semis mm -hmm. we expect but also coming out the back of having to play more an FA Cup semi-final but I think it will you know 
third or fourth by Whisker, but I think we could well have a repeat of um, of a sort of Lasagna Gate yeah, day yeah. where we're all listening to our radios and wondering what Spurs are up to as much as ourselves. It's going to be an absolute um, nail biter this one. It's a, it's a huge huge pain really that all, if you take away the Chelsea and Manchester City games. On paper, we've got a relatively easy run for the end of the season. Stoke. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, the way Stoke are now, I mean, they've gone from being the Roy Dlat team, I mean, they're just a terrible football team, who uh, are relying on Peter Crouch scoring miracle goals. Um, uh, but you look at that, and uh, at, that, at that point, the, the two last games at the end of the season are Norwich and West Brom, and I'll, I'll give Roy Hodgson his due. If his team don't have to win, he'll let the Arsenal go out and score four <laughs> goals against his team. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Roy in that respect. He should have stayed as Liverpool manager. So, you know, hey, it, let's see where we are with two games to go. You know, if we're there or thereabouts, then hopefully it will be that. But having said that, with Norwich and West Brom in the last two games, speaking about an Arsenal team that just lost away to Mark Hughes' QPR. Um, looking back at the last three games we played, um, you can see a fair few things around about the squad, around about the first team. One thing that's weirdly started happening is the fact that Aaron Ramsey has gone from playing as the, the creative midfield player in this 4-2-3-1, being thrown on the left-hand side. Uh, Mr Stillman, what do you reckon about Aaron Ramsey being converted into Ryan Giggs, apparently? Well, it's it's something... When um, when the manager first did it against Everton, I thought it was a specific uh, tactic at Goodison Park because Everton's right-hand side <coughs> isn't very strong. Um, and so I thought, ah, actually the manager's showing another string to his bow that he doesn't usually show, which is studying the opposition and perhaps exploiting a weakness... Um, why he did it against QPR, I'm not quite sure, to be honest. I think he's trying to play some kind of rotating uh, diamond formation thing in there, and it just it really didn't work on, on Saturday. I mean, we're as a team, we're quite biased towards our right side anyway, with Walcott and Sanya uh, bringing most of the threat. And actually, QPR could really concentrate on that side and shut us off down there on Saturday, because there was nothing coming down the left. And um, it's funny, it put me in mind of Spurs, actually, in their slump recently, coincided with Redknapp trying to tinker with what was already a winning team by trying to put Bale in a free role, trying to put him on the right, um, trying to accommodate Saha in there, and it didn't work for them. Um, they've come out of that slump now that they've reverted back to a winning formation. Um, and so I, I, I kind of got those vibes on Saturday, uh, where I thought to myself, well, why are we really trying to tinker with... Um, a formation that, that was doing as well to all intents and purposes, particularly when we've got options there. We've got, you know, uh, Jovino, he still looks a bit leggy, I think, but we've got Chamberlain there. We've got Benny Yoon as well, um, who, who I think is a bit underused um, yeah, at the moment. And I, I'd play him on Sunday against City um, because, you know, he I think he solves two problems in that um, he works very hard, um, does his defensive bit, and I think he's a good creative source as well. So I I think putting Ramsey in there stunk to me of just trying to accommodate him. Mm. Um, and if Rosicki's played himself into the team, for me that's fine. Uh, let's have Rosicki in there and let Ramsey try and fight his way back in. Mr Payton, uh, I mean, what's, what's your view on, on Aaron? Uh, I mean, like a lot of people, you thinking last season he started to make a comeback from having his leg, leg cut in half, essentially, by Ryan Shawcross. This is his first season. Because of the injuries to Wilshire and just around the squad, he's essentially played every single game. Do you take it that he's absolutely knackered, or do you take that what websites like Football 365 have started saying today, which is he might be the captain of Wales, but between you, me and the wall, he's a bit shit? 
Well, being captain of Wales doesn't automatically mean that you're good enough to play in Arsenal's midfield. Being captain of England doesn't necessarily mean these days that you're um, good enough to play for Arsenal. I just build on the comments that Tim's already made. I mean, sometimes I do think perhaps the, the stubbornness in Arsenal about pick, you know, the young players, particularly he's picked up and seen and has a particular zeal about sort of them making it and is this about a kind of commitment that Ramsey will play at least 35 games this year that he has in his head or that Ramsey is going to be the future of his midfield for the next five years so he's going to play in every position as part of the development of it. It just doesn't quite, it doesn't quite ring true um, to me. Mm. Moving slightly across the midfield, uh, coming across to you Lindsay, um, for me, one, one of the things that sort of moved Ramsey onto the left-hand side of the field is that, in fairness, over the last 10 games, Thomas Rosicki, mm. circa 2006 appears to have come back from absolutely nowhere. I mean, why has Rosicki's form improved so dramatically? I mean, is he back on any, anything <laughs> at all? Um, you know, is it because he's had a run in the team, or is he just the best of a bad bunch in terms of our midfielders? I don't think you can say that because I think generally he has really sparked into life and some of his performances recently have been an absolute joy to watch. They're the kind of performances that when you saw him play for the Czech Republic that you thought you were going to get out of him regularly. Um, I don't know if uh, he's maybe concentrating a little bit more. He's getting to a certain age now where this is probably... I mean, the contract was up, wasn't it? Mm. You're going to get offers, you're going to get looked at, and maybe this is his last... That's the final swan song of having a good contract. So maybe he's just got the hunger and the desire back. But just going back to the Ramsey thing, Benga seems to be um, obviously quite protective of his youth policy, and Ramsey seems to be now one of the players that fans are quite willing to get on the back very quickly of. Um, and it seems to me a quick, bit of an odd decision to put a player who was already getting quite a lot of stick. To me, I think he looks knackered. I think he's played a lot of games this season. I think he's been overused. And I don't see the point when we've got backups such as Yossi for him to be playing and put in that position um, and, and open to criticism like that. I don't see why he can't have a decent rest and then maybe come back for the last few. So... You know, I, I think the emergence of Vizitsky is a massive new option for us. We were worried about that creativity and we found it there. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I do feel sorry for Benny because I get the impression at the start of the season he was banking on essentially putting Wilshire into yeah. the Fabregas role yeah. and then lo and behold he's got legs made of plastic rather than boat, which is a huge pain. Uh, but sort of staying with, with Tom Rosicki at the moment, obviously he's very recently signed a contract extension. Uh, Mr Payton, I mean, you're our, our guy on the inside essentially. Um, as he, did he, is this... a an award for us for him re-signing for another two years or just an extra year I'm not entirely sure um, was he desperate to sort of do this before um, signing or being offered a, a new contract uh, please any information well I think the contract extension tied in with a return to form um, and that's why you know it's, you know, we do and I think rightly in terms of some of the contracts Arsenal have recently awarded give some criticism that they're given out too easily and at too high a rate but they are knife edge decisions giving giving um, Thomas Fazicki an extension in January would have probably been met with widespread groans giving it in mid-March was seen as a stroke of genius and we don't really know the Thomas Fazicki we're going to get in the next five games let alone next season what he does do when he plays well though is he's a different type of player to Ramsey and one or two others I think it's partly that he moves the ball on quickly mm. and he moves past one player before passing it and I do think in the style that we play he adds an important dimension and there's also you know I get told that he's a very positive influence behind the scenes 
And so I think there may be an element of the contract being about the maturity and the attitude that he adds at the training ground, which is, of course, is, is an important contributory factor mm. to keeping a player that we don't see much of. When I went to the um, medical centre for the tour with the doctors and the physios earlier this year, they stressed that there being a big change in the dressing room this year. Little things like the players were taking the ice baths after the game. I got, got the, the impression that they were hinting that Sesk and Sami and Nasri have been slightly wimpish wouldn't go, wouldn't go in the ice bath or felt they didn't need to, but they were hydrating properly and taking the test. So, and they, they cited people like the arrival of Mertesecca and Arteta and Yossi, but it had added a kind of, you know, players that were near the end of their career than the beginning, but were wise and communicating amongst the squad. And Thomas Rizicki is often described as being, if you like, an element of part coach, mm. part mentor, and adding something to the dressing room. But, you know, the great fear, few people saying, oh, here it comes, he's put in six good games to win his contract, and now we'll be back to the Thomas that we mm. kind of groaned at for more recently. Yeah, I mean, I mean based on, on current form and, and reputation, I mean, you think that in this obscure 4-2-3-1 formation, I mean, the three you'd play would probably be Rizitsky in there. On the left, a lot of people would say Oxlade-Chamberlain. Um, on the right, though... Um, Mr. Stillman, looking at Theo Walcott, who, in fairness, has really proved the doubters wrong recently. Um, but the big question is, has he done it so that he's now worth the £85,000 a week he is allegedly? Uh, more than asked, that. Really? <laughs> you don't get a bed for eighty five k a week if you're one of England's lead players. In, in which case, Mr. Witcher has written me the wrong script. <laughs> <laughs> you're sacked as his agent. Yes. If I look it up, believe <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, Theo at the moment, has he done so well since, not even since Christmas, I suppose, in terms of February and March? Mr. Since Stilton. Sanya came back? Okay, please, <laughs> pray tell. Um, I, I don't think it's any coincidence that um, his form has coincided with Sanya coming back. Um, I think there was a period in Walcott's career, actually, where Sanya, um, probably about two seasons into his time at Arsenal, Sanya, very solid defender didn't offer an awful lot going forward, a bit like Gail Clichy. Um, and actually, we went through a period about two years ago where at ho in home games we were playing a Bouet um, because he offered a greater attacking thrust. And actually, when the right-back offers a greater attacking thrust, that brings the best out of Walcott as well. Because mm. with all the best will in the world, he's not, um, in terms of football smarts, the smartest player in the world. Uh, so I think actually a full-back pushing him up the pitch really helps him out. Um, and Abue used to do that until Abue bought into the cult of Abue. Um, what do you actually, mean, growing long hair and renaming <laughs> himself Javinho and so on? <laughs> and um, whereas, you know, Sanya's response was to think, okay, well, obviously this is happening because um, I'm not pro providing a great enough attacking threat. So he went away and worked on it. Um, great to cross with the ball. And I, I think he now really brings the best out of Walcott when he's there. Um, particularly if you've got a naturalised fullback, uh, you know, Walcott can make those runs, which I, I don't think he's a striker at all. I don't think he can play as a central striker. I read your comment on this the other uh, day, actually. Yes, yeah, because I think his runs are best when they're bent in off the flank, um, and actually neither the fullback nor the centre half knows who, uh, whether to pick him up. Um, and having a solid full time fullback who does his job all the time um, really brings the best out of Walcott. So, I don't think it's a case of him singing for his supper. Um, I mean, if we're talking about him being a bit inconsistent this season, I'd say what else is new. 
um, <laughs> in that respect. I don't think it's a new development with regards to his contract. Um, I really do think having having Sanya back has totally correlated with his rising form. You happy with him? Hopefully, resigning. Well, in a lot of people's opinion, resigning for another four or five years in the summer, Lindsay. Yeah, well, I think he's earned it this season. I think when when Van Persie talks about him and, and in such glowing terms, then you've got to listen. And um, I am happy. I think he's also maturing. I think he's becoming more of a you know a, a man physically, and you know, and he's learning his craft a lot more as well. He's, he's been some players they have such potential at such a young age but they don't hit their form until later on and you expect so much from them. Theo has suffered from the weight of massive expectations, the whole England issue. I think the best thing that ever happened to him was not going um, with him and getting involved in that disastrous campaign. Yeah. Um, Mr Payton, I mean, we'll go, go back, I'd like to go back to your comments when I was making the, the, the initial question uh, that £85,000 a week is too cheap for him in terms, of, in terms of what him and his agent are going to ask for. I mean, realistically, what we're looking at uh, and, and also, us now weirdly targeting the right side of attack a lot more than the left, which is quite odd. I mean, bear in mind the last three or four years, Walcott has started games and doesn't get any ball. Do you think our new tactic is the right tactic, or does it make us a little bit predictable? I think I think the, the, the tactic is right if you can particularly, you've got to capitalise on the pace because it's what is, you know, scaring defences, particularly Premier League defences at the moment, which are less well organised. But on your point about value, I mean, if Arsenal could sign Theo Walcott on 85k a week, they would snap his hand off for that contract tomorrow. It's a little bit not dissimilar to the problem we have with Robin at the moment. I mean, this is where the angst will come this summer. We sort of have a dilemma as Arsenal fans. In many ways, the best thing that could happen now would be for Theo to have seven moderate games until the end of the season. If he plays like he has for the last few games, and if he does well with England, believe me, Chelsea, who sniffed around last year, will come in because that Chelsea team, he adds something they don't have, and they knew that, and they knew that, which is why they were sniffing around the contract. Other clubs, knowing they wouldn't have to pay much of a transfer fee because there's only a year left, I think you're talking, here's people will be looking at 100 plus. And Arsenal are really, you know, it's a very difficult situation. You could say this is the failure of management to allow the contracts to go beyond the two-year renewal stage. You put all the power into the hand of the player. And the problem is, do you give the player the equivalent of the transfer fee you would pay to get him mm. to get him to stay? I think this is, you know, I think the Theo thing is going to cause more concern about exactly what to do than the Robin contract which I think you know the you know a big amount is justified and I think he'll sign for I think Theo will be you know England will be playing games he'll be playing well for England and we'll be sitting there not quite sure what what is going to happen mm. right we're now going to take a very short break before continuing our next podcast but as always just to mention that if you want to email us about anything related to the podcast our address is gunapodcast at gmail.com once again, thanks to our sponsors, Goonashirts.com, and it's goodbye from Tim. Goodbye. Goodbye from Tim. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> and we'll rehearse, guys. And Lindsay. <laughs> synchro. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back soon with more. I'm your host, David Udo, and thanks for listening. la di da la di da la di da All good friends and jolly good company. Oh, hey!